Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Thank you. 
Исаии глава 32, стих 20. Блажены вы, сеющие при всех водах и посылающие туда вала и осла. Чтобы лучше понять, To better understand the essence of these words, I wanted to present a different version of this translation. Blessed are you who fertilize yourselves with the seed of the word and who are fertilized with the seed on every place that is appointed by the Holy Spirit and who send to these places your ox and donkey on whom no one has sat. This will be the meaning of this parable. To sow upon all waters is sowing in certain congregations of saints that proclaim the ministry of justification that contain life and resurrection. Because water is a symbol of life, it is a symbol of resurrection. You can sow only there where there is life, where there is justification, where there is ministry, where the church practices and knows how this justification is achieved, how it is gained, it is kept, and how it is transformed into righteousness. Otherwise, these are not going to be the waters of life. Any Israelite offering his tithes where the Lord dwells was called to testify before God that he did not give his offerings for the dead and did not support with his offerings human initiatives. Because to sow in human religious congregations means to give our tithes to the dead. Unfortunately, many Christians offer their tithes for the dead. In the religious, religious sects, dead faith. Second, our sowing will bring blessing when upon worship to God in our offerings, we will send there our, our ox and our donkey. In order to send our ox and our donkey, it is first necessary to bridle them or to humble them. A, an ox is representing the image of our soul, our sovereign will. This is an animal that has been humbled for him to fulfill the will of his master in the face of our new man. Because on an ox, it's impossible to do a lot of work. If an ox is not going to be bridled, he is not going to work. 
He, uh, oxes have their own wills that will not allow themselves to be overworked. He can work them when he is bridled, when he is circumcised. Until our will is circumcised, our soul has been clothed in death, and this occurs when we die to our nation our household, and our corrupt desires. It is necessary to understand how this death occurs. It does not occur automatically. This occurs, um, it's, a, it's a difficult process when a person makes a decision to die, to die to his nation, his household, and his corrupt desires. When he accepts justification as a gift, and begins to consider himself dead to sin and alive to God, and begins to call the inexistent as existent. And only then, through his proclamations that become the proclamations of the faith of his heart, the Holy Spirit will produce circumcision. He must know what the cross does, that the blood of the cross and the cross of Christ are completely different things and have different purposes. We have mentioned on numerous occasions that if the blood cleanses us from all sin, then the cross of Jesus Christ separates us from the manufacturer of sin. And therefore, if these two teachings do not work together, they will lose their effectiveness. Because the treasure that is found in the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us life, the entrance there or the key there is the cross of Jesus Christ. You can't enter there unless you make the decision to die to your nation, your household, and your corrupt desires. When you make this, this, this decision, when you begin to consider yourselves dead to sin, when you don't look there what your own emotions desire, when you don't pay attention to this, and when you begin to thank God for the freedom from this, only then do you have access to the blood of the cross of Christ. Otherwise, when people say, come, repent, this is the prayer of sinners, it doesn't work, and people don't know about this. Well, the preacher himself who calls these people to repentance. They truly, these people truly want to repent. They truly want to leave their sin, but they are lied to. And the one who lies to them is lied to himself because he has not cared to be, to be this circumcised ox to circumcise his heart. A bridled donkey symbolizing our body is a donkey that knows his master, or rather, obeys his master. This is our body over which we express our dominion in order to present the members of our body as weapons of righteousness. As it is written, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. What to do? Or what to do so that our donkey can be bridled, and what to do so that no one sits on it? For we have been born with a kind of donkey, on which the old man sits, controlling him. How do we make our body 
in order to make it pure in the virgin state that no one has sat on before. We're talking about the fact that sin has never controlled him, lusts have never controlled the members of our body. How to do this? Again, a question about teaching, the freedom or liberation of Christ. How do we enter into the liberation of Christ? By way of circumcision, we enter into the freedom of Christ. And Scripture says, And so stand in the faith that Christ has given you, and do not be burdened under the yoke of slavery. Don't, again, make your rider reigning sin. When we accept by faith the liberation of Christ, that God has cleansed us from our sin, our body becomes pure and clean. Our donkey becomes able that no one has been on before. Jesus had ridden on Jerusalem on a kind of donkey that no one has ever been on before. He was the first rider on this donkey. This was peace of Christ directed to his church. It's very important for the writer of our body when we give our body over to members of righteousness to be the Holy Spirit who represents Jesus Christ. And he will, the Holy Spirit will act through our new man. Our new man is going to be the writer who is going to direct our body to the waters or to the rivers of living water in order to sow there. It's very important when we honor God in tithes and offerings upon the waters of life and the waters of life with the teaching of Jesus Christ or the church of Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, it is like a river before God. And only in this kind of church is it possible to send our ox and our donkey. And then scripture says, Blessed are you who sow upon the waters and who send the ox there and the donkey there. We know that our bodies our oxes and donkeys that no one has sat on before we have presented it to the Holy Spirit we know that our will is circumcised and therefore we are going to honor God with tithes and offerings upon these waters and we are going to be blessed upon this let us stand this is the unique moment when we each time honor God worship Him express our love and acknowledge His authority over us. Without this kind of offering, offering to God of tithes and offerings, our worship ceases to be worshipped, and we are found simply in a building, but not in the temple of the Lord, and we are not a river. And therefore, let us sing together. Thank you. 
gladly remind you that each time Israel had honored God with tithes and offerings, either in the, in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, he was called to, according to the words of Moses that he had received as a revelation from God, to raise his hands on his offerings and to proclaim one unique proclamation that he was faithful to for thousands of years, or that they were faithful to for thousands of years, we being that same Israel tied to that same root, drinking from the fruit of the same olive tree will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand a symbol of your righteous act and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tides from my home, 
and brought them into your home so that your home may have food. I did not give impurely. I did not give in sorrow. And I did not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And so according to your word, I ask you, right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessings come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Ты 
Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Return to the ancient path of goodness. To look at the foundation of our study of the ancient path of goodness, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who, by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in short and concise definitions, was able to formulate the contents of the order present in the teaching of Christ. In studying the Spirit of Scripture, we decided to use a more perfect and closer to the truth version of this translation. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, sprinkling ourselves with the reigning teachings of Christ, and having been clothed in the armor of light contained in the reign of this teaching, let us go on to perfection and build ourselves into the house of God, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works in the faith to guard, to, uh, toward God, and the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Each of the four teachings possesses in itself a triplicity of various functions that determine the unearthly order of the kingdom of heaven and determine in their totality the role of the twelve teachings of Christ who came in the flesh. In a certain format, as far as God and the measure of our faith have allowed us, we have already examined the doctrine of baptism in its three functions, baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire, as well as the doctrine of laying on of hands and three functions in the covenant of blood, salt, and rest. Therefore, we turn to study the doctrine of resurrection of the dead, which in Scripture is presented in the dimension of the western side of heavenly Jerusalem in a combination of three things. We have noted that the doctrine of resurrection contains in itself three levels of birth, which in their union are defined by Scripture as being born of God. This is birth from water, birth from spirit, and birth to the throne. The requirement to be born from water, spirit, and to the throne is a necessity and unchanging condition to make with God a covenant of blood, salt, and rest, and baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire. This theme, these requirements, and their logical completeness were called upon to build constantly new relationships of a new man with God, depending on the degree of dedication or on the level of spiritual maturity, in order to bring him to a complete likeness of the image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And before a man could be born of God, he needs to be born from the seed of the word of truth, because God makes his covenant only with those people who are his, his heritage, because of which they have the right to his inheritance. James 1.18 Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And this kind of birth from the seed of the preached word of truth is defined by Scripture as a resurrection from the dead. Ephesians 5.14 says, Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, the rest of the dead, and Christ will give you life. We know that in Scripture there exist two kinds of resurrection. Resurrection. This is the resurrection of justification and the resurrection of condemnation. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29. In Scripture, the term resurrection relating to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead contains meanings such as the life of God, the water of life, the spirit of life, the word of life in the seed of the kingdom of heaven, atonement, revival, imperishability, renewal, the light of the life of God, the order of life of God, the hope of our heritage in God, 
implanted in the house of the Lord. In a certain format, in the doctrine of resurrection, we have already studied the level of birth and water in Therefore, let us turn to the level that contains power found in birth to the ground. Revelation 12.15 She bore a male child who wished to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up with caught up to God and His throne. In the twelve foundations of the walls of heavenly Jerusalem, birth to the throne is a ninth foundation. In this ninth foundation is made of the precious topaz stone. Revelation 21, 14, and 20. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, the ninth Topaz. topaz, the names of the stone refer us either to the Sanskrit tapas, meaning heat emanating from the shining rays of the sun, or to the Greek topazos, which translates as search. The full meaning contained in the functions of topaz is the search for the shining rays of the sun, warming life, and growing the seed of the kingdom. Due to its high specific gravity, the stone received the nickname heavyweight, and European jewelers for a long time called its transparent and blue variety Siberian diamond for the density and brilliance characteristic of the diamond. In a certain way, the influence of this nine foundation made of topaz will be activated and manifest its authority in the last day, when God will stand up to protect the remnants of his people who are in great humiliation from the wicked who call themselves seekers of God. For example, in the visions shown to the prophet Daniel, which contained the secret of the end times, the prophet saw a man who spoke to him on behalf of the Most High, whose body was like topaz, and the appearance of his face was like a kind of Daniel 10, 4-6. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like topaz, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. The precious topaz stone out of which the ninth foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem was made and which is found on the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, we can conclude that when God builds a relationship with the person, through the powers contained in birth to the throne, he will turn to man through Urim and Thummim with the voice that comes from the warming fire of Topaz, which in this foundation will be represented by the apostle named James, the son of Alphaeus. Matthew 10, 2-3. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebeus, whose name is the Deus. So the ninth one, James the son of Alphaeus. You feel attention that on the third foundation that represented the powers contained in fire baptism, the name James was also in but with one difference. Fire baptism was, was presented by James the son of Zebedee, whereas birth to the throne is presented by James the son of Alphaeus. 
These are two apostles with the same name, but the names of their fathers were different. The names of the fathers were also their names. And this is rather lawful for a person to use the powers contained in fire baptism. It was necessary for him to first be born because God can make a covenant of rest in fire baptism only with a person who is born to the throne. Because of which, only those who are born to the throne and have entered into a covenant of rest upon fire baptism can acknowledge and fulfill the perfect rule of the Heavenly Father that is contained in the teaching of eternal judgment. And so, as far as we know, the name James means he holds on to his heel, he will take captive, he will leave a mark, he will protect, and he will win. While the name of Jacob's father in his foundation is Alphaeus, which means famous or distinctive, both in appearance and in content. And therefore, the meaning of the verb to distinguish at the foundation of Chopaz, which determines the birth to the throne, means to separate the ones sitting on the throne by certain signs relating to the throne, expressed in distinctive clothes, in distinctive royal garments, in distinctive means of transportation and distinctive servants serving the one on the throne. And therefore, join together the name James and Alphaeus in combination means God will create total victory over the enemies of his chosen remnant, will clothe him in royal garments, and give him the throne of glory, and make it distinctive in all nations and peoples. Now, in order to penetrate the powers contained in the name James, the son of Alphaeus, we first must study in what cases and in what circumstances does this name and its functions expressing the dignity of the royal throne, making distinctive the one sitting on it, is found in Scripture. Let us remember that the functions contained in the name James, the son of Alphaeus, dwell only upon the cooperation of man with God in the powers contained in birth to the throne, where for each of the sides there is a role that cannot be exchanged or fulfilled by someone else. And so, to cooperate with God in building in our heart the ninth foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem, it is necessary for us to not just study the functions contained in the powers of the name James, the son of Alphaeus, engraved on this foundation, but also also the roles that God outlined in this name for himself and for us. Considering the format of this sermon, I will limit myself to several important components in which the name of the Apostle engraved on the ninth foundation makes saints sitting on the throne distinctive from other saints who are found in the other levels of the births. The first power contained in the name James, the son of Alphaeus, that I would like to pay attention which makes distinctive the one who sits on the throne, is called to magnify those sitting on the throne and distinguish them from those who were not born to the throne. Songs of Solomon, chapter 6, verses 8 through 9. There are 60 queens and 80 concubines and virgins without number. But my dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. The daughters saw her and called her blessed, the queens, the concubines, and they praised her. Therefore, uh, this is terrible is in, 
this parable which presents not queens, concubines and virgins, but the different decrees and dignities of the saints in relation to the merits of the one and only distinctive one that will leave a mark or will make an indelible impression. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths at him. But what had not been told them, they shall see, and what they had not heard, they shall consider. Those who are born to the throne, they are his twins, the twins of Christ. Therefore, that which is written about Jesus, this is referring to those who are born to the throne. The number 60 is the number of man, which yields the dignity of the holy nation that rules over the human essence in the boundaries outlined in Scripture. 60 queens. Dominion over ourselves in the boundaries of Scripture is defined as dominion over the number of the beast, which is expressed in dominion over money. Revelation 13.18 Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So three sixes, fear, soul, and body, the number of men. And because this is tied to the root of all evil, it is going to seduce people in this way. And the fact that they have overcome, they have overcome the number of the beast. We know fully well that if the root of all evil is love for money, then the root of all good is dominion over money, which is directly related and depends on our dominion over ourselves. On its own, silver, and the equivalent of money, is not the root of all evil, but our relationship toward earthly riches defines our worship and our deity. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. First Kings 10.14. And this was not evil, the number 666 talents. This was good. This means when you rule over it, evil is when it begins to rule over you. Therefore, in this case, we are referring to dominion over the number of the beast or dominion over material prosperity. Dominion over the number of the beast and the equivalent of money was gained thanks to dedication to God and his messengers, dedication of ourselves as well as our offerings, sanctified by our dedication. Behold, it is Solomon's couch, with sixty valiant men around it. Of the valiant of Israel, they all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has his sword on his thigh, because the fear of the night, Psalms of Solomon 3, 7 8. So pay attention here. Here we are also referring to 60 queens. Why are they queens? Because there are 60 valiant men that protect her couch, her rest. The couch is a better place of rest. A person who is dependent on money will never have, never had, and never will have rest. And therefore, 60 valiant Israelites who provide our peace from an economic crisis or financial collapse. This is our faith expressed in our obedience to maintain our dedication to God and His messengers and confirm this dedication by giving tithes and offerings to God. However, the level of this dedication does not make us distinctive since it always revolves around our rest. This is the path to perfection but not its goal. The goal of perfection is called to be God's rest. That is why the temple that Solomon built was 60 cubits long. It was an imperfect temple, the temple that 
solid built with 60 cubits long, its width 20 and its height 30 cubits. First Kings 62. 60 cubits long in length is an image of the duration of human life in the flesh. An image of it. According to the revelations of Scripture, in the building of ourselves into a perfect temple will be present completely different measurements in which the length width and height of the temple will be equal. And this temple is going to be the city Jerusalem with the 12 seats. Revelation 21, 16-22 The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So for Jerusalem, there is the temple of the Lord, it is found in the Lord, meaning that he is found in him. The number 80, talking about the concubines, who saw the distinct, distinctive features of the most beautiful woman, the number 80 is the number of the covenant that yields the dignity of the holy nation that enters into a covenant with God. Remember the eighth day, children were, uh, children were circumcised. Entering into a covenant with God is a sacred mystery because the mystery of this covenant suggests a kind of closeness in relations, an analog of which are the marital obligations of partners in relation to one another, in which the wife is the glory of her husband and the husband is the glory of God. Isaiah 54, 5, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, he is called the God of the whole For God to be your spouse, we must make a marital union, a covenant between man and God. Not just a covenant, but a covenant of a marital contract. Among the people of Israel, the entrance and powers of this covenant for the whole nation were presented by the priests from the tribe of Aaron. Because when God wanted to make his nation royal priests, then the people, having grown afraid of the obligations surrounding holiness that were on the priests, refused to take upon themselves these obligations and readdressed them to Moses and Aaron, saying, you go and speak with God. Everything that he tells you, um, we'll listen to, but don't drag us into there. They were afraid to get into close relations with God because there was a great and high price, great and big obligations. Respecting the sovereign rights of his nation, God did not reject them from his face, but accepted their conditions. And on the basis of these conditions, he separated the tribe of Levi for priesthood before his countenance. The virtue of this, in the literal sense of the word, in order to represent the interests of God for the people, only that part of the Israeli people that came from the lineage of Aaron, who came from the tribe of Levi, entered into a covenant with God directly. At one point, when the king Uzziah did not make a covenant with God and didn't have any understanding regarding the congregations that were upon the priests, he tried to fulfill that part of the priesthood that was the most dear to him. Then Azariah the priest and 80 priests with him, and again, 80 priests, 80 concubines, they would say, 
they stood against him, and as a result, uh, God had destroyed Uzziah. Second Chronicles 26, 17-21. So Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censor to hand to burn incense. While he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah the, the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. They thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Isaiah was a leaper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leaper. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. The category of virgins without number determines the dignity of the redeemed who stand before the throne and before the Lamb in white robes and with palm branches in their hands. Revelation 7, 9-10 After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. They had glorified the One, who sat on the throne. These are heralds of the word of God, presenting and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom at their place of residence. Psalm 67, 12 says, The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed it. We are talking about how the fact that every person who is saved must represent God to be his herald, that place where he must, where he is located, he must be to run to Africa, or to some kind of Mexico, or to India, China, in order to evangelize. He must evangelize that where he is. The most beautiful of women, the lone and distinctive one, who brought to astonishment the queens and concubines, is an image of the bride or the category of those born to the throne, which differs from the above, differs in that in addition to the fact that she has all the advantages of the above, she has the dignity of such power and such a position that the previous ones do not have. This is the authority of the throne, enclosed in the image of 24 elders sitting on 24 thrones, having golden crowns on their heads and the power of the four living beings in the middle of the throne and around the throne. You see, 24 elders with the golden crowns and the four living, uh, living beasts is a category and image. They are distinctive, distinctive from all the other categories. Revelation 2, 4, 2 through 8. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, and appearance like an emerald. Although the throne, around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. 
And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which had the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, and the second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Pay attention. This was the holiness the people of Israel were afraid of. They said, Let it not be me, let it be somebody else, but we'll just listen to them. Revelation 5, 8 to 10 says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, these four living creatures, and their twenty-four elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So the four living creatures each have a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song. These four living creatures sing a new song. And these 24 elders sing, saying, You are worthy to take this scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and has made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. You see, this image is a congregation of saints out of every tribe, tongue, there are those who had achieved the throne. We will be kings and priests. The second uh, power is contained in the name of James, the son of Alphaeus, making distinct of the one who sits on the throne, is called to make us a dove whose wings are covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. Psalm 68, 13-14 Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalman. In this case, the word scattered in Hebrew means destroyed, took away, belittled. God scatters only those kings who, in their reign, do not meet the requirements of his kings. And the main difference between his kings and the kings whom God will scatter and take away from them the kingdom that does not belong to them and which they illegally captured is his kings whom he distinguishes with honor have settled in their inheritance, while the kings from whom power was taken away settled in inheritance of his kings. They settled in the inheritance of his kings, therefore God scattered them to give an opportunity for kings who are found in their own lot to make them distinctive. A lot or an inheritance is a calling from the Lord contained in fate for every person which is expressed in unchanging and inexorable words. What a person says that he will be. Sometimes people say, what is my fate? What is my calling? That which you will sow, that you will reap. 
То есть, чтобы мы поняли. Добрый человек, написано Матфея 12, 35, 37, из доброго сокровища выносит злое. Говорю же вам, что Какое скажут люди, дадут они ответ в день суда, ибо от слов своих оправдаешься и от слов своих осудятся. That which you will sow with your words, that you will make. The words spoken by the tongue of a person are treasures that are carried out of the heart of a person or seed that he sows in his heart. And it doesn't matter what we talk about or to whom we pronounce our words. They, first of all, like a seed, are sown in our heart and test us as well as determine the law of the future. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18, However, in this case, we are dealing with the law of kings, cult, and the dignity of the royal throne, and making a distinction from other kings whom God scattered because they claimed an inheritance that does not belong to them. And therefore, the law of kings sitting on the throne, who are holy unto the Lord, is observant of the word that proceed from the mouth of God to the gospel of the messengers of God, and were two of which in the distinctive sign of the dove, whose wings were covered with silver and feathers with pure gold, is the observant of the words of the Lord. You are my portion or my lot, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. Psalms 119.57 the word of God's faith, the words of God's faith that we confess, builds us up into the image and likeness of the Son of God, sitting on the throne of the Heavenly Father. Wings covered with silver is evidence of that redemption from the sinful life of our fathers and our belonging to the heritage of God. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18-21 And the feathers covered in gold is the state and level of dedication that is founded on redemption. This level of dedication allows us to sit on the throne and increase. Why specifically wings? This is the level of righteousness. Take a look. Deuteronomy chapter 14, 9 through 10, and there are many places like this. These you may eat of all that are in the waters. You may eat all that have fins and scales, and whatever does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. So what, that which a person will eat, so if he eats pure food, his feathers will be covered in gold. Because it's a dedication, it is a symbol of a special kind of dedication. The third component of the power is contained in the name James, the son of Alphaeus, making distinctive the one who sits on the throne, are called to clothe us in the garments of kings and lay on our head a crown. 
Esther chapter 6, verses 7 through 11. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback to the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. To distinguish. To distinguish again means to separate the one sitting on the throne, as we have talked about, by certain signs relating to the throne, expressed in distinctive garments, in distinctive royal regalia, in distinctive means of transportation, and in distinctive servants serving those who are sitting on the throne. Mordecai means worshipper or heir to the great king. In the historical events of that time, the image of Mordecai is the prototype of the personified word of God. And in this historical event, the name Mordecai, Haman, Haggai, guardian of the royal wives, and King Ahasuerus is inextricable Everything that Esther possessed and all the dignity in which she was clothed in the days of King Hesaris, she owed to these mysterious and amazing characters. For example, the word of Mordecai for Queen Esther was an unquestioning authority which she carried out now just as when she was raised by Mordecai. Esther chapter 2 verse 20 No, Esther had not revealed her family and her people just as Mordecai had charged her for Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him now she is a queen however she fulfills his word just as she had done when she was uh, brought up by him Mordecai in the days of King Hesiris when Esther was taken to the palace of Hesiris wiped off the threshold of the king which in practice meant that he guarded the life and peace of the king Haggai during the days of King Hesiris was the eunuch of the king clothed with the dignity of the watchman of his wives Haman's name means glorious, famous, or distinctive in the days of King Osiris. He was the first prince of the king called to present the glory and distinctive dignity of the king. Perhaps in the story, this is the most intriguing and controversial character who had a special influence on strengthening the power of Esther as a queen who played an amazing role in saving the Israelite people. But more on that later. Esther is an image of the divided lamb, chosen and distinguished from the multitude of concubines and maidens gathered together in the palace of King Ahasuerus. Esther's original name in the house of Mordecai was the name Hadassah, which means fragrant myrtle. Subsequently, when Hadassah was closed in royal dignity and became the wife of the king Ahasuerus, the king gave her the name Esther, which means the virgin of the morning star. When Hadassah was taken to the palace of King Ahasuerus, Haggai, the guardian of the world wives, took care of Hadassah in order to prepare her to meet with King Ahasuerus. The name Haggai means owning good house. This is the prototype of the Holy Spirit. In their totality, all these names are the image of such a category of saints who made themselves voluntarily dependent both on the Word of God in which they dwelt and are dwelt in them, and on the Holy Spirit representing the interests of this Word. Guard, guarding the threshold of the king of Osiris. 
Образ царского одеяния – это такая степень и функция праведности, благодаря и он возложил на себя правду, So they shall fear the name of the Lord God from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants of the descendants of the Lord. From this time and forevermore, the image of the royal horse is the foundation from which those born to the throne perform retribution against the wicked. In this foundation is expressed in the image of the king's horse and transcendental purity and the dignity of virginity reflected in the name of Esther. Zechariah 10.3-5 My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the goat herds. For the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as though his royal horse in the battle. From him comes the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every room together. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders of horses shall be put to shame. And into the royal crown that the king puts on his head when he puts on his royal robe and sits on his war horse is a prototype of the already existing victory expressed in the truth of redemption in which a person is called to extend the law of redemption to those territories that are holy to the Lord but are still in the hands of the enemies of the Lord. Revelation 6.2 And I looked, and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it, had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The image of Haman, the first prince, leading by the bridle the world war horse of proclaiming, this is done to the man whom the king wants to distinguish with honor. This is the prototype of Mordecai trampling Haman on the cross. Why is his name Haman, meaning distinctive, glorified? Because in fact, this is the prototype of Mordecai. Because Haman had prepared the cross in order to hang Mordecai, but he himself was hung upon this cross. After all, in order for Haman, who represents the unbroken nature of the old man to be crucified, it is necessary that Mordecai, representing the personified word of God in the face of Christ, take our old beginning upon himself and ascend to the cross and destroy the handwriting that was against us, taking it and nailing it to the cross with him. That's why these two people are as if united into one. 
Аман, представляющий, еще раз повторяю, не раз святую природу когда он пригвоздил All of these personas are, are distinguished, distinctive. Let's move on further. The, the fourth, the powers contained in the name James, the son of Alphaeus, making distinctive the one who sits on the throne, is to not give strength to women nor our ways to that which destroys kings. Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 5. Keep in mind, this is a proverb, not literal text. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him, What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which, which destroys kings. It is not for kings of Lemuel, and it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. This is a parable, and the name of the king Lemuel, which is being discussed in this parable, means belonging to God, property of God, holy to the Lord. This is an image of the category of saints born to the Given this approach, it becomes clear that the mother of King Lemuel in the Church of Jesus Christ in the face of a specific meeting of saints in which the teaching of the, of the kingdom of heaven is preached in the form of the commanding teaching of Christ. Furthermore, the repeated attention in this parable, the destroyers of kings are presented in wine and liquor, that is, in strong drinks. So we're not talking about separate. About these, destroyers of kings are presented in wine and liquor, that is, in strong drinks. Pay attention to here. Here, also, it says, very interestingly, Dirty wine and strong drink in this parable is to give or trust a woman with their strength and their ways to destroy of kings. Based on scripture, the image of such women for destroyers of kings are all kinds of gatherings with tempting teachings that claim to teach about the kingdom of heaven, but in fact do not. Because they rejected the leader of their youth and found themselves teachers who flatter their ears. As a result, they transformed into malicious of darkness, calling themselves malicious of light. Hebrews 10, 25-27, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So here we're talking about don't 
give your strength to others. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. a fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries, but recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering. Partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on you in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. Pay attention here. When a person leaves his hope, leaves teachings, we're talking about the spiritual wine and strong drink. I'm not talking about literal wine. Here, it doesn't talk about literal wine. In this place of Scripture, we're talking about kings. Because to be a king means to know the truth and be enlightened in relation to the teaching of the kingdom of heaven and the subject of the commanding teaching of Christ, then endure the great fee of suffering for the existing hope, which is expressed in serving in the midst of reproaches and sorrows as a spectacle for others, as well as taking part in others who were in the same state. After that, to leave such a gathering and follow the trail of teachings tempting for the flesh, offering freedom to satisfy the hidden and ambitious desires of the flesh, means drinking wine and strong drink, thus giving their ways to the destroyers of kings. In the fifth chapter of the book of Proverbs, only in the destructions of the father to the son, the exhausting result of one instruct grief is presented in the form of the destroyers of kings. The image of the father is the image of the messengers of God who have the city the kingdom of heaven. In the revelations they received about the kingdom of heaven in the full mind of the commanding teaching of Christ. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. That you may preserve a discretion in your lips and keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drips honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Again, I repeat, we are talking about seducing teachings that are going to be offered in certain churches. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Must you ponder her path of life? Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Therefore, hear me now, my children. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel ones. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your laborers go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last. When your flesh and your body are consumed and say, How I have hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? I have talked about uh, a book that I received from one of the Pentecostal neighboring churches. Um, I was told to read it and that many had read it. 
For them, it meant drinking water from your cistern. In this book, it meant drink your own urine and you will be healthy. The author says, I drink my own, uh, I drink my own urine. And this is a euro eurotherapy. I bring from my own, I drink from my own cistern. People, others talk about having relations, having relations with your wife, don't have it with others. No, this is a, a proverb. Why is that your proverb going to talk about your relationship here with your wife? It talks about a relationship with God. This proverb talks about the teaching, about the seducing teachings, and about that wine and that strong drink, and those destroyers of kings as the teaching that destroys. And therefore it says, let them be your only your own and do, not, and do not and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breath satisfy at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Do you remember the church talks about herself. I'm a wall and my breasts like towers. Therefore, in his eyes, I'm like one who has found fullness. The church is a mother and a wife and a father. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his tasks. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Take a look at how dangerous it is to be swayed by all kinds of teachings. The Apostle Paul talked about this, but not in parables, but in the direct text. Don't be enticed by false teachings. Fifth, the powers contained in the name James, the son of Alphaeus, making distinctive the one who sits on the throne, is separating the firstborn of the righteous from the firstborn of the wicked. Numbers 3, 11 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine, because all the Egyptians, all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine, I am the Lord. In practice, the difference between the firstborn of the righteous and the firstborn of the wicked was first demonstrated in Egypt on the first Passover night on the lintels and the both doorposts of door doors anointed with the blood of the Passover lamb. The Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel in the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Not the door itself. The door wasn't supposed to be covered, but hyssop was taken, dipped in blood, and um, the lintel in the two doorposts were striked. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow them to storm to come into your house to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. So why the Israelites, when literally they begin to look at the law, they think that it must be eternal, but the law, they're images, it's not eternal, they are images.
That which is placed there, they are eternal. These images are eternal. Today, the image of doors that must be sprinkled with blood is the whole essence of a person. And we should remember that the uniqueness of our soul, which is the image of the lintel connecting the two doorposts of the door, lies in the fact that the substance of our soul that connects with our spirit is immortal. While the substance of the soul, which connects with the body, is mortal. One doorpost is the body, the other doorpost is the spirit. And the lintel, which is called the spirit, it is called immortal. That's why in scripture, we are met with the immortality of the soul and the death of the soul. And the lintel of the door is the image of our soul, which in our nature is the mediator between death and immortality, and between corruption and incorruption, while the two doorposts of this door are the area of our body and our spirit. And that's why, how can we distinguish righteous people? They are going to have blood that is on their doorposts and on their lintel. So, they will be redeemed, or their spirit, soul, and body will be redeemed. It doesn't mean that in the body it's possible to sin, because the new man has work with God, works with God directly, and the body doesn't. Therefore, we can do whatever we want with our body. No. Here it says that the blood must be everything, everything is redeemed. The sixth component, or the powers contained in the name James, the son of Alphaeus, making distinctive the one who sits on the throne, is expressed in the decision to be in the trials that fell upon Christ. Luke 22, 28-30 For you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom. Just as my Father bestowed one upon me, they may eat and drink at my table, in my tongues, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Being in the trials with Christ are the distinctive signs of saints born to the throne and sitting on the throne. Before the new man is seated on the twelve thrones, in order to judge the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel, he needs to sit on the throne of his heart in order to judge himself according with those requirements that are contained in the authority of the reigning teaching of Christ. To judge oneself in accordance with the requirements of the commanding teaching of Christ means to live a godly life. However, a truly godly life challenges those who have an outward appearance of godliness but have denied its power. When you challenge those people who have an outward appearance of godliness but don't have this true state of godliness, you will realize that there are people indeed like this. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Based on this and other scriptures, we will be forced to meet with a reaction to a God Christ in the form of evil people and deceivers. And this reaction will be expressed in the fact that these people will take or hate us and declare our name as dishonorable. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you 
Again, we're talking about sin and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner they Therefore, distinctive features of the kings sitting on the thrones will be their reaction to these approaches, which will be expressed in joy for the opportunity to bear the reproach of Christ. If a person is reproached, he rejoices. This means that he is born to the throne. If he has bitterness, if he is offended, if he tries to justify himself, if he goes and complains to God, saying, Lord, how much longer will this be? I know I didn't do this. This means that this person has not yet been born to the throne because he doesn't know how to um, look at reproaches as good signs. He, he doesn't know to turn to God and say, Lord, I thank you that you have allowed me to suffer for the truth. Rejoice. When people come to me saying, he said this to me or she said this, I try to find out who is where. If I see that one is higher than the other, one is lower, according to the level of dedication, I talk to the one who is higher and I say, you know what, let's, let's forgive, let's not ask for any kind of vengeance, let's just pray together and thank God. And a person accepts this because he is ready, he realizes, well truly, where have I been before? This is possible. I am letting go of the opportunity. This opportunity is given not to everybody. Not everybody is given this opportunity. Okay, the seventh component of the powers contained in the name James and of Alphaeus, making distinctive the one who sits on the throne, is expressed in the fear of the Lord. Malachi 3.13-18 Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord, yet you say, What have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that you have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who, who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall be again discerned between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Remember the book Esther, Haman had come into the inner court of the king in order to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the tree that he had made 50 cubits long. And he was waiting. And at this time, God takes away the dream, dream from King Ahasuerus. He, he asks, Let, bring me a memorial book. But for this king, all of his actions were written. And they found that Mordecai had protected the inner court. And when he saw that two wanted to lay a hand on King Ahasuerus, he immediately told Esther, and Esther told the king. And the thing was investigated, these eunuchs were hung. And Mordecai's actions were written in the book, in this book. 
то есть, что происходило с его подвигом? He said, well, who's standing at the inner door? And they said, Haman, call him here, King says. Haman comes in, but Haman doesn't have the right to speak first. And the king says, listen, what shall we do to that person who wants to, um, to give honor to somebody else? And Haman says, let the king's garments this is what Haman had wanted himself to be clothed in the garments of kings. That let him be seated on the horse, let him be um, adorned with the gold crown, and let this throne, let this horse be taken and proclaim, thus is done to the one whom the king wants to give honor to. And Ahasuerus says, everything that you have said immediately, go and do to Mordecai, who is sitting at the courts. Can you imagine what Haman had felt in this moment? He came in order to hang him, and now, all of a sudden, after he proclaims him in clothed in royal garments, he can't then be hung. And we know what had happened later on. When Esther, after three days fast with the Jews, she went out into the inner court of the king, where it was forbidden to go unless the king calls. But she came, and if the, if the king were to spread out his golden scepter, this person would remain living. She came in in the golden, and, and he spread out the golden scepter. And he asked, what do you want? And she said, come to the feast and take Haman with you. I have prepared a feast for you. And on this feast, he gives to the king uh, to eat and drink. And he asks, what shall I give to you? Why are you doing all of this to me? And she says, I want you to come again tomorrow. He came again tomorrow. And he is curious, well, what's going on? And then she said to him, I am given, I am sold, I and my, my people are sold to be killed. We didn't do any evil, though. He said, who, who, who thought to do this? And she said, here he is, the deceiving Haman. The king was astonished, he was angry, he went out into the garden, he didn't know what to do. This first person, Haman, who I relied on, and Haman began to beg Esther. The, the king then comes back and sees this, this, this painting. And then Haman's face was covered. One of the eunuchs says, well, here's the tree that he had made. Who wanted to hang them? Who wanted to hang? Who wanted to hang Mordecai on it? And the king says, "Hang Haman on there. Take a look." He says, "In this day, I will do this. When it seems like there will not be a way out, there will not be a light at the end of the tunnel. It seems death. The decree is written, and then all of a sudden, why? Because here it talks about the book, the Lord." looks 
and writes, God has this kind of book of remembrance, the book of our works. Therefore, it's not important that people live and they're left unpunished for now here on earth. God says, I will distinguish the righteous from the unrighteous when the day comes, and those who fear the Lord are filled with the fear of the Lord. Specifically, the fulfillment with the fear of the Lord will serve as a distinctive feature that separates them from people who have the form of godliness but who have neglected and denied the power of the Lord contained in the fear of the Lord. And being filled with the fear of the Lord in its strength and dynamics is akin to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, and we have already talked about this not once, and therefore to be filled with the fear is to be led by the fear of the Lord, to be dependent on the fear of the Lord, to bind yourself to the fear of the Lord, to act in the fear of the Lord, to live by the fear of the Lord, to rejoice in the fear of the Lord, to worship in the fear of the Lord. The day that we are talking about here is the day of the visit of the Lord which is directly connected with the anticipation of the complete triumph of the wicked over the righteous, in which they made a plan and appointed a day for the total destruction of the righteous. But it is in that day that they have set forth for us, this will be their total destruction. They had dug a pit for us, but they will end up in this pit. Therefore, don't be afraid of these pits. Don't be afraid of these holes. Continue to remain fearful of the Lord, to have this fear in order to be distinctive. This is the distinctive feature. Each of us, this birth that we are talking about here, is just a level of a kind of growth from faith to faith when a person cooperates with the teaching of birth to the throne and he understands what kind of price he must pay, he pays it and then God begins to uh, bring him to this level. We're going to pray and all of those who desire to say to the Lord, forgive me, forgive me, Thank him in this prayer that the reproaches have come, come upon you. Say, I just didn't say to him, I didn't know that this was a privilege. I return my groaning, my words, my resentment, and I thank you that you have allowed me to carry reproachment for the truth. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to your holy name for the word of life, for your greatness that you make distinctive your children. For the, thank you for the fulfillment of your commandments. When your people fulfill your commandments, when they obey your name, when they do not search for their own, when they are not led by what is earthly, then you give him what is earthly into his control, and they begin to rule over what is earthly. I thank you that there will come a day, there will come this short time before you are going to raise your church from the earth, 
when she becomes when many grow to fear her, just as he had given Israel all the riches to Israel, so you will give all the riches of this world. And the church is going to rule over it in the face of those who are born to the throne. I thank you for your revelations. Allow us to, to dissect them. Allow every word, every revelation to become the attainment of every individual person who hears these words. May they enter into the hearts of your people. And may man keep them and water them in order for it to grow into the kingdom. May your peace be blessed. May your healing be blessed for your people. Allow us to find you in your healing. May your, may your oil be poured out for your people. May they be healed from their wounds, from their dependency. Whatever that may be, we want to depend only on you. We want to be servants of righteousness. May your name be blessed, and may your, may your servants of righteousness be blessed. Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hands of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so, in the conclusion of our service, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestations. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy, to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.